I have the honor of introducing to you our guest speaker for today. Uh, his name is Pastor Marcus, and he is someone that has been here just like you in these red seats, um, and we just love him. And my secret to you is, I hope he's not embarrassed, but uh, he used to be a rapper, and his rapper name was Mighty. Welcome with, a, with welcome him with a round of applause. So embarrassing. Uh, uh, his rapper name is Mighty. Oh my goodness. No, we can leave it there. I don't want it higher. Are you going to tighten it? Thank you so much. Let's give a round of applause for Jisoo who's tightening it. Uh, I'm a rapper and uh, my rap name is Mighty. Wow, I haven't been introduced like that in a very long time. Hi, my name is Marcus. I am a pastor at New Philadelphia Church. I oversee the Itaewon campus. One person from Itaewon, two people from Itaewon right there. Yeah, yeah, Itaewon. And, uh, and I've been at New Philly for now, I guess, six years serving as, well, five and a half years now serving as a pastor. And then it was seven years ago that I was an exchange student at Yonsei. Seven years. I am old. But I don't look it, right? 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 Y'all thought I was a college student. Okay, no, you didn't. All right, that's fine. And real quick, I want to give a shout out to my friend Elena. Elena, say hello to everyone. Now, Elena was a exchange student when I was an exchange student, which means she knows me before I became a pastor, which means she knows all my dirt and all this crazy stuff I used to do up in Shinchon and Hongdae. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I got an interesting story. I got a story like maybe some of y'all. I don't know. No. But anyways, uh. Let's keep going. Um, yeah, you know what? It was so funny. I didn't expect for Judy to introduce me that way, but I felt like God wanted me to do something to like rap or to put together something. And so, <laughs> you know, I'm not that I'm not that good or anything and I may not remember everything. So just give me some grace because I'm old. You know, like I said, I'm seven years ago. Uh, you're not recording this, right? You're not recording? No. Okay, someone just lied. That whole section just lied. You are at a Christian meeting. No, no, no. Keep recording. Keep recording. Uh, okay. Uh, my voice is not there, but. Um, Lord, you've been so good to me. Sometimes I get blind from the things that go on in my life that I can't see. That you've been good to me. I used to walk down the street, darkness filling me. Sinfully scintillated eyes searching for the sin in me. I used to think that the clubs and the drinks set me free. Now I see. I was moving slower than a centipede. But God's got me fast tracked like Amtrak. Emotion in his words served purpose like anthrax. Had me reevaluating my acts. Turning back, reading acts. Now the devil can't hear that. Because my God's walking with me on my right side. Gave me the right eyes. Show me the right time. The motivation known he's with me on the right hand. Show me the right plan. Made me the right man. The revelation revealed sharp as steel. Turn my verbs into proverbs that now y'all feel. Yeah. But it's only through the spirit y'all see. I see. We see. The Lord's been so good to me. Lord, you've been so good to me. Sometimes I get blind from the things that go on in my life. I can't see. You've been good to me. (laughs) 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Booyaka, booyaka, booyaka. Poor, 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 poor. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. The funny thing is, is I wrote that when I was an exchange student here at Yonsei. I wrote that seven years ago. I can't believe I remember that. Um, and it was right after God really stepped in and, and radically transformed my life. So don't doubt what God can do in a semester. He can radically change everything. Uh, tonight, I want to talk to you. If you got a Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew 18. If you don't have a Bible, I want you to lean next to the person who has a Bible. Get in their personal space. If you don't know them, please introduce yourself. <laughs> Fellas, if it's a sister, you know what? Just don't even look. You just stay where you're at. Don't be getting up in their space. I'm watching you. <laughs> but yeah, if you don't have a Bible, look. Matthew 18, we're going to look at verses, verses 1 to 4. Matthew 18, 1 to 4. You just look along and I will read it. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child. Come here, boy. He put him in the midst of them and said, Truly, I say to you, unless you turn... Other translations say, unless you change, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Let me pray for us. Bow your heads, close your eyes and uh, put your phone on silent. (laughs) Father, I thank you for every person here. I thank you that God, that we are sons and daughters of the most high king. I thank you, Lord, that you desire to use us to move in our lives and to impact us, God, in ways beyond our own imagination. I thank you, Lord, that every person here was not an no one here was an accident, but every person here, God, was created by you with intention and purpose. And Lord, you desire for them to walk in that purpose. I pray that tonight you would open up their eyes, open up their minds. In Jesus name, we pray it. Amen. So Jesus pulls a child. He's sitting there chilling with the disciples, eating fish sandwiches, probably. And they're just sitting there chilling. And all of a sudden, they start talking about greatness. I don't know about you, but that's a conversation I would like to be in, right? How can you be great? Everyone is seeking to be great. I rarely meet someone who says, you know, when I was a little child growing up, I just wanted to do nothing. And be insignificant and die and no one know my name. You know, if you were at a kindergarten class and you asked that question, what do you want to be? And some kid said, I don't want to be anything. You'd be like, okay, that kid's got some problems, right? Like, let's pull little Johnny aside and let's talk to him. Because every single one of us inside of us, there's seeds of greatness, right? We want, we desire, we believe that we should be great. In fact, the Bible shows us that there's nothing wrong with aspiring for greatness. So many people in the body of Christ, they've been beaten up by religion. They've been told you're nothing. You're a sinner. You're a low down, dirty shame and nothing is going to come from you. And that's you. Just be happy you're alive. (laughs) I've never heard anyone use that voice. (laughs) I don't know where that came from. But anytime I imagine and have even heard people say stuff like that to me. That's always what their voice transforms to sound like. We've been beaten up by religion to tell us that, you know, you're nothing. No, don't hope. Don't dream. Don't believe. You're not going to ever reach anything in your life. You're always going to be insignificant. You're just a sinner. But the truth of the matter is, is that we should aspire for greatness. In fact, Jesus starts teaching his disciples right here in Matthew 18 about greatness. They're having a discussion. Who's going to be great? Who do you think's great? I, I think it's me. Well, who do you think's great? I think it's me. And Jesus is like, hush with the mouth. Brings in a little kid. Hey, you guys want to be great? Become like this kid. Whoever can change. So interesting. He says change. 
that implies that something about the disciples was that they were not like children. Something about their minds, something about the way that they lived, something about themselves was not like this child. So he says, unless you change and become like little Ray Ray right here. I don't know what his name was. <laughs> Jepheth or Jehoshaphat. I don't know. <laughs> little, little, little Jehoshaphat. Little Jay. Unless you become like him, you'll never be great. And you won't be great where it really matters in my kingdom. I want to talk to you tonight about becoming like a child. And some of y'all are like, why is he talking to me about becoming a child? I'm young. <laughs> and then some of y'all are like, don't call me young. I'm a man. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting that from the moment, from the moment we hit school, we're, we're all on a rat race to try and grow up. Everything in society, everything we see is all about us growing up. You know, Men, we don't want to be called boys. Don't call me a boy. It's like you're 11 years old. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm sure if I called some of you today, you're, oh, you're cute. You're a little. That's like one, sisters, that's one thing you never want to do to a man, all right? Aw, you're so cute. He, 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 may, he may nod his head, but inside he's having warfare. Everything inside of him is just going like, I can't believe she just called me cute. I can't believe. She. You know, everything. So many of us, we're just trying our best to grow up. We're all we think about is what we're going to do when you get out of school, right? What you're going to what kind of job you're going to do, how much money you can make, what kind of career you're going to have, how you can you know, what kind of family you want to start, if you want to start a family. And even now, you don't want it's so funny with a lot of college students in Emmaus, if people in our congregation at New Philly, you know, some of them are a little older, you know, some of them are right around your age like me. But I noticed that everyone, no one likes to be called young. No one likes to be called like, oh, you're just so young. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You're so young. But then if you talk about what they're wearing as being old, no one likes that either, right? It's like, Psh, no, no, I don't dress old. I, well, now, nowadays, I guess if you dress old, you're hipster. <laughs> Hence the glasses, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's funny. It's like we, we don't want to be considered young. But we also don't want to be considered too old, right? And so we find ourselves in this paradox of walking in between this line. Yet, Jesus says, if you want to be great, if you want greatness in your life, you've got to become like a child. I love kids. I love kids. I love kids, especially between the ages of one and five, when they cannot put together sentences and can't walk straight. Like, that's my favorite age, you know? especially like around two and three, because then they can't even put together sound words. It's like, what'd you say? <laughs> right. <laughs> I read that in the newspaper this morning. And <laughs> I love children. I love children. And as I've been meditating on this, I want to give you guys some keys to being like a child. Because if you don't ever learn how to change and become like a child, you won't experience greatness in your life. If you don't, some of you are like, well, I never had a childhood. That childhood was ripped from me. Our generation, childhood is just being ripped from us. We're being introduced to things at such an early age in which it's ripping away from us our innocence and purity. For some of you, maybe the first time that you ever drank or smoked was at an age way too early. Maybe the first time that you ever begin to find out about what sex and intercourse was, was way too early. For some of you, the first time that you were introduced to things that you should have never been introduced to. And, and we're being, our childhood's being ripped away. Why? Because Satan doesn't want you to know what it's like to be a child. Because he knows that if you know what it's like to be a child, you'll inherit the kingdom. So I'm going to talk about four aspects of being like a child. Four aspects of being like a child. And in order to go back to think about what it's like to be a child, what it's like to be childlike, you got to go back to the beginning of all things. So I want you to turn to Genesis chapter one. And in Genesis chapter one, we see the story. We see our beginning. We see the beginning of all humanity. And we see the first 
humans, Adam and Eve, and we see how God created us and, and his intention for us to live like children. And in this, in this chapter, in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, we see keys. We see God speaking to us about how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to become childlike. And so we're going to look, and we're actually going to just read one verse from Genesis. And then I'm going to fill you in on the rest of it. Because if we read all the chapters tonight, we would be here very late. And uh, I know you guys have to study. No one's going to study. I just heard that. <laughs> I felt that. I felt that in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Actually, let's look at verses 26 to 28. Then God said, this is on the sixth day, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created, meaning he did it on purpose, meaning that when God made you, he did it on purpose. You're not an accident. You're not just cells that magically came together. You know, it's. You know, the chances of you being created just through sheer chance, they say it's a miracle for one human to be created. God created, meaning he did it on purpose. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. This is the verse I want to focus on tonight. Verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So to give you some background, the previous five days, God is creating everything else. And so he speaks and there's light. Let there be light. There's some light. Let there be heavens and earth. There it goes. I don't know if those were sound effects. I'm sure it was more dramatic than that. I'm sure somebody was singing angels or something. All of a sudden, let there be, you know, and all of a sudden he creates everything. He creates the heavens and the earth. The light breaks in. There's the, the earth and the waters. And then he creates. And then on that sixth day, he begins to fill it all. The fifth day, he puts vegetation there, the plants, the, you know, everything. And then on the sixth day, he begins to fill the 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 heavens with birds, the water with fish, and then on the earth, chicken and other things. I love chicken. It's a blessed animal. And, and then after all of that, he says, you know what? I've saved the best for last. And so then he says, hey, you know what? I'm going to make man. So he makes Humanity with his own hands, right? He crafts us and then he breathes his breath of life into us. And then we come to life. In order for you to be fully alive, God has to breathe into your lungs. There's many people who are walking around that are living but not alive because they've not really experienced God breathing into them. But he does this and then we see Adam and his wife Eve. And from this point forward, they're living and everything is brand new. They're grown like they they have full like matured bodies and everything. It wasn't like he made a baby. But they're pretty much like children in their mindset. You know, if you imagine that everything's new, they're just like, oh, they're like children. And then God speaks to them in Genesis 1, And the four keys, the four aspects are in this verse. Genesis 1, and God blessed them. I'm going to look at that part later. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. The first aspect of being childlike is that children create. If you're writing, if you're taking notes, please write down one. Create. He, God says to them, be fruitful and multiply. What does that mean? It means that you need to continuously create. That's what he's commanding them to do. He's saying, hey, if you're going to be childlike, if you're going to be a child, you have to continuously create. You ever noticed about children how creative kids are? 
Children don't get taught creativity, right? Like when you were a baby, when you were a child, you didn't walk around somebody saying, this is how you become creative, right? No, none of us were like that. Every child inside of them has a a passion, has this excitement to be creative. I remember when I was in fifth grade and I did this painting of Bart Simpson (laughs) and I got first place and I won a hundred bucks. That's right. Yeah, I'm good. And it was interesting here that God was telling them to continuously create. That the life inside of you should constantly be flowing out into the world. To never stop creating. Never stop being creative. But for many of us, especially Christians, the first thing that we stop doing is being creative. Christians seem to be the least creative people on the face of the earth. You ever notice that? You know, I was talking with Elena as we were walking here. And she was talking about this new movie, Son of God. It's a movie about Jesus. And she, I was like, how was it? And she was like, it was so cheesy. I was like, dang it. Every Christian movie always has to be like the worst movie ever made. Some of you are like, I've never seen a Christian movie. Don't. <laughs> it's not worth your time. <laughs> no, but children, children are always creating. You ever notice that? Their minds are always thinking new things, new possibilities, new realms by which they are to live. And if you want to experience God, if you want to walk in his power, if you want to experience greatness in his kingdom, the first thing you got to start doing is stepping into being creative. You ever thought of yourself as being creative? Most of us, we thought we believed about ourselves to be creative until we got to school and someone told you you're not as creative as someone else. And then all of a sudden we stopped having this growth mindset that I can grow and that there's an aspect inside of me that is constantly creative. And we have what is known as a fixed mindset, meaning I'm not creative. They're creative, but I'm not creative. But Jesus says, if you want to become, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you got to start becoming creative. What kind of things has God put on your heart? Passions, different things. Creativity is essentially your imagination birthing new things into the earth. What things has God put on your heart that you're not doing? That maybe you're afraid to step out in. Maybe you think that's for someone else and not for me. You know, for me, I always wanted to do rap and spoken word. But I thought, you know what? I don't wear baggy jeans. I'm not thuggish. I don't have a Bentley. I thought I'm not skillful. There's too many other people who can do it way better than me. I'm not creative. And I began, the funny thing was, is it started, I started limiting myself the minute I became a Christian. The moment I became a Christian, I started thinking, no, I can't be creative. I can't step out. I can't. But the first thing you got to learn is that God desires for you to be creative. How many of you, when you wake up in the morning, you're saying, today, I'm going to I'm going to start something new that I've never done before. Today, I'm going to create and I'm going to imagine and dream in ways that I've never dreamed before. The second thing God says to them, he says, be fruitful and multiply. Then he says, fill the earth and subdue it. Another word for that word fill is to actually roam, to explore the earth. The second thing about being childlike is that children explore. They're filled with discovery. You ever notice that? You ever had a niece or a nephew when they're especially just learning how to walk? They they touch everything. And they put their fingers and hands and stuff that they don't need to put their fingers and hands in. But you ever notice how kids just they're constantly discovering, constantly walking around. One of our pastors, they just recently had a baby boy named Ethan. And he's so cute and he's always discovering new things. And I know this because his eyes are always crossed because <laughs> he's so focused and he's just looking at everything so intently. Right. And he always wants to eat everything. You know, every toy you put in, he just grabs it. He looks at it. And then he sticks it right in his mouth. And he's just got this aspect of discovery where he he just wants to try out and test everything. And every day seems new to him. You know, in Genesis, God tells them to fill the earth, to explore the earth, to discover the earth and subdue it. And we see that God in Genesis 2, it says that he puts man in the garden. And I want you to turn there. Turn to Genesis 2. Just turn over one page. 
And it says in, and I'm going to read from verses 8 to 17. It says, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of, out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. I want to I want to ask you, how does anyone know in this moment that all this food is pleasant to the sight and good for food? It's because the man walked around and he touched everything and he ate everything. He's oh this is, oh what is this banana? This is good. Oh what, what is this? What is this tangerine? This is good. What is this mango stain? I'm sorry. He walked around exploring everything. It says that the tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon, the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. You know what was happening in this in this moment? I want to put you in the Bible story. It's not just some random narration. Adam, the first man, he's walking around with God. And God is showing him everything in creation. And he's walking around like, hey, Adam, check this out. You ever seen this before? Well, what, what is it? It's shiny. That's gold. <laughs> you like that, right? Some of your ancestors are going to put that on chains and rims. <laughs> it's not going to look good. He's like walking around like, oh, snap, what is this? What is it? Oh, that's called a river, Adam. Oh, man, this is awesome. He's walking around and he's exploring all these different things. And then he gets to this tree and, and he's like, hey, what's that, God? Hey, you know what, Adam? That's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't you touch that. You touch that, you're going to die. You know what? You're right. I don't go touch it. <laughs> and he was just and you can and imagine this is happening over the course of, of minutes, of hours, of days. Like Adam's walking around and every single aspect of him is excited because God is leading him each and every moment to show him something new. Hey, when you wake up in the morning, do you wake up expecting God to show you something new? Do you wake up? You get up out of bed. Oh, oh it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Can't wait to see what God has for me today. I can't wait to explore and discover. Or do you wake up like, beep, 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 beep. I don't want to get out of bed because I believe that today is not going to be anything new. It's going to be the same and the same and the same. Or today's going to be worse than yesterday. So many of us, when we get up, we don't have discovery in our minds. We have the opposite. We just want to stay in our rooms. That's why the chief characteristic of someone who is depressed is that they isolate themselves and stay in one place. But when God's moving, when you're becoming childlike, everything starts to become new. You know, God wants to restore that to your life. Where when you wake up in the morning, everything is new. I remember when I first became a Christian. It was literally the Bible talks about when you become a believer, you become born again. It was like that for me. Like I prayed the prayer. I, I accepted Christ in my life. And then when I woke up and I well, the next day I walked outside and it was literally like I had new eyes. Like I was like grass. Grass. The grass is so green. Have you seen this grass? This grass is green tree. Tree. You are such a beautiful tree. Like the sky was blue. Like I was like, the sky is so blue today. You ever seen a cloud like that before? People are like, are you high? <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> you know, I would pick up my Bible and it was not like, oh, oh, snap. Let me just do this so I don't feel bad about myself today. It was like, oh, snap. God said that God, you gangster. Ooh, that's so good. <laughs> oh, David did what? David did. Did you hear what David did? What? You know, when I started experiencing the spirit of the living God starting to move in my life, all of a sudden this desire to explore, this, this desire to discover, this desire that there's something new for me each and every day of my life started to rise up inside of me. See, God desires for you to live that way. 
See, everyone else out there doesn't live like that. Everyone else thinks that their life is headed downhill. But a person who has Jesus walking in their life, they know that everything is going from strength to strength, glory to glory, better and better each and every day. That's what God wants for you. Do you feel that when you wake up? One person, there we go. That's a start. But what about you? See, God wants that. You were made to discover. You were made to explore. You were made to roam the earth. For each and every day to be different and to be filled with life. He wants that hope to spring back in your heart again. The the third thing. So he tells him, he says, hey, be fruitful and multiply. You're creative. I put life inside of you and it's meant to flow out. It's meant you're meant to be continuously creative. And then he says, roam the earth and subdue it. Hey, explore, discover, recognize I'm leading you and I have something special for you each and every day. And then he says, he says, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You know what he was telling them? He says, check it out. Hey, look around. I got to spin back this way because of the cord. (laughs) Everything you just saw, it's all yours. You own everything. You know, the third thing about children is that they think they own everything. You know, one of the first things that a child learns to say other than no is mine. You're like, hey, what is that? Mine. <laughs> hey, what is this? Mine. And then all of a sudden they start, they grab other people's stuff. Mine. And it's like, that's not yours. Mine. <laughs> no, no, actually, that's, that's mine. That's actually mine. You shouldn't even, that's my laptop. Actually, it's got my name on it. You can't read, but it's mine. <laughs> but no, you know, children, actually one of the first things, and it's actually very important for a child to learn that mine. To walk around believing that what they touch, they possess it. In fact, if you start rebuking a child when they're really young and they start saying mine, if you start telling them, no, no, that's bad. No, that's not yours. Then what it does is it jacks up a child's brain. And, it's, and then all of a sudden they start to believe that they don't have any boundaries, that they don't have any self-worth, that they don't own in anything. And then they get older. And then when they become adults or teenagers, then they think that not only is I don't own anything, my body's not even mine. My dreams, my destiny, it's not mine. So many people, they let other people take advantage of them because at an early age, they never learned how to just say mine. But children, they start out with that understanding that they own everything. It's a little annoying at first, but there's truth in it. You know, one of the first things children start to understand is that they have ownership. And the truth of the matter is, is that you do, too. When you when you walk down the street. When you think about your destiny, when you think about what you need to step into the place that God has for you, do you think it's already mine? God's already provided it. I have everything I need. Or do you think. I don't have anything. You know, also in Luke, there's this story, Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. There's this there's this father and he has two sons and one son is rebellious. He takes his inheritance from the father. He runs out and it says he squanders it on wild living. He drinks his he drinks his inheritance away. He sleeps around with prostitutes. He finds himself with nothing in the pit, wanting to eat the same food as the pigs. He comes to his senses and he runs back home. And as he goes, before he even gets to the gate, the father runs and he jumps on him and he tackles him to the ground. He says, I'm so glad you're home. He puts a robe on him. He puts a ring on his finger. He puts sandals on his feet. I'm so glad you're home. Everyone, my son's home. You know what we're going to do? Party. (laughs) Right? No, that's exactly what they do. The Bible is partying biblical in the Bible. (laughs) In context. (laughs) 
He's like, you know what? The son's home. It's a celebration. Let's have a party. And so they throw a party. They go and get the, the fattened calf, not the skinny calf, the fattened one, the one that they've been feeding all the extra food, the calf that can barely walk. They just bring it in. Say, so we're, having, we're having it tonight. It's going down. We're about to have a party. Because you got whenever you have a party, you got to have a barbecue. You got to have, it's in, like Korea. That's what everyone does. They go to the barbecue. They have this party. And then in the house is the older brother. Probably cutting vegetables or something. <laughs> Look at him. Having a party. He never had a party for me. I'm always in here cutting celery. <laughs> He goes to the father and he says, Dad, you've never thrown a party for me. I've served in your house my entire life. I've been a good son. I've always been here my entire life, yet you never do anything for me. You've never thrown a party so that I can go out and party with my friends. I'm always sitting here by myself, poor, alone, and looked over. And then the father looks at him and says, Son, don't you see? Look around. All that I have is yours. Jesus tells that story because it's a picture of you and I. We're working so hard to try and achieve certain things for ourselves. And then we get bitter at God because we don't think that God provides. And God looks at you and says, daughter, son, don't you see all that I have is yours. Psalm 24, one says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all who dwell therein. Psalm, but here's Psalm 115, 16. Listen to this. It says, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to the children. So many of us walk around with a poverty spirit. We walk around thinking we don't have anything. We walk around thinking that guy over there, they have everything. They, they look at him. But me, what do I have? I'm just trying to get by, trying to work my way to the top. And God's looking at you saying, I put my spirit inside of you. I made you creative. I want you to explore. But not only that, I've given it all to you. Romans says that Because God sent his own son, Jesus, to die for us on the cross, it's the clearest sign that we can ever see that God will give us anything we need. He who did not spare his own son, how will he not also graciously give us all things? Somebody say all. You think all means like a little? You think all means some? No, all means all. I remember when I was an exchange student and I was sitting in one of our Sunday services at New Philly and I had 20, I had Iman on left in my bank account. Like not even in my bank account. Actually, I had 21. I had Eship one in my bank account. I had Iman on in my pocket. <laughs> we call that broke. I was broke. And I was sitting there. Some of you are thinking, what does broke mean? Broke means no money. (laughs) And I was sitting there and it's time for tithes and offering. And I'm thinking, I have not given anything in a while. (laughs) And I can hear the Holy Spirit saying, Marcus, don't talk to me right now, God. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Marcus, (laughs) Marcus, how great is our God? Sing with me. How great. Marcus, when it comes, give the 20. (laughs) God, I ain't even got tea money right now. I ain't going to get home. I'm going to get home. I will not get back to the house. I could see it. Like I'm watching, I'm trying to look straight ahead, but in my peripheral vision, I'm watching the offering basket. 
It's so close. It's so close. It's so close. It's so close. I got to go to the bathroom. I got to go to the bathroom. You know, I'm trying to leave. I'm trying to figure out what I can do. And then it comes. And, you know, whoever was playing keyboard, they stopped playing keyboard. Actually, no, I lied. The music still played, but in my mind, everything stopped. It was just like slow motion. And it was like, you know, I had a wallet, but I'd put it in my front pocket because I thought like I could be like, God, you know, see, I don't have anything in my wallet. He's like, you got something in your front pocket. I was like, you know, everything. <laughs> I hope you're happy. I'm like, so by that time, I think the rest of the service, I was just thinking, how am I going to get home? (laughs) It's like, if people want to eat after for fellowship, you know what? I'm busy. I got work. I never did my homework. So that was definitely a lie. But then afterwards, service ends. We're doing the benediction. My hands are sweaty. People next to me are thinking, what's wrong with this guy? And then we walk out. We're on our way walking. And I pass by the sign-up table and somebody says, hey, Marcus, come here. What did I do? I didn't do anything. I put the whole 20 in there. <laughs> you know, like, like, how do you know? <laughs> I walk over and he, and he says, hey, someone anonymously, anonymously dropped this off for you. Here. Is this a bill? What is this? I put the whole 20 in there. <laughs> I open it up. It's four times the amount. It's 80. <laughs> I saw some of y'all <laughs> carry the two <laughs> divided by three. <laughs> and it was so funny because as soon as I, I took it I, and I, I looked at it in private because, you know, you just never know. Somebody could be watching. <laughs> so I'm like, and as soon as I saw it, I just started crying by myself. I don't need the alls, but I was by myself. <laughs> and I just started crying. And you know what I heard God say? I heard God say, Marcus, I'm always going to take care of you. The cattle on a thousand hills belongs to me. All the silver and gold belongs to me, says the Lord. If it all belongs to him and he's your father, then that means it belongs to you. Children own everything. They believe that they do. The fourth and the last aspect, and this is actually at the beginning of that verse, is and God blessed them. The word blessed. I looked it up. In its Hebraic form, in its Hebrew form, it appears almost 300 times in the Old Testament. It's one of the most important biblical concepts for you to understand when it says that God blesses. Because blessed means to cause to prosper. And the fourth thing about children is that children believe that their parents are looking To always prosper them. Children believe. That their parents. Are going to provide for them. And that they're always working for their good. You know when a little baby is born. They're not sitting there thinking. I wonder if. My mom's going to provide. I wonder if. My dad's going to provide. I wonder if. There's going to be food. I wonder if I'm going to have a place to stay. Do they even. You don't see them think that and if they do think that they can't communicate it so it's just yeah for some reason this is always my baby hands they always they always believe that their parents are looking to prosper them and this is so important 
for you to understand that when God looks at you, when God says become like a child, he's saying, I want you to start believing every single day that I'm working to prosper you. This is so important of a concept that this is what Satan attacked first. Turn to Genesis 3. You may not even need to turn a page. Genesis 3. It says, the serpent, this is Satan, was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God has made. This is after God has given them everything. He said, be creative. He said that I, I am there for you. He's saying that I, you, I want you to explore. God's done all this for Adam and Eve. And now, chapter 3, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God has made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say... You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that was in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, Satan came in with deception. Satan came in with lies and he wanted to convince them that God was holding something back. He wanted to convince them that God was not really honest. He started to put a seed of distrust. Because if Satan can come in and start to convince you that God's not working for your good. That God actually hasn't blessed you. If he can cause you to start to doubt whether or not you're blessed by God, then you will also start to doubt that you own everything. See, he started to convince them, you know what? God's holding something back from you. And so then they started to think, wait a minute. That must mean that I don't. God's holding back from me. I don't own anything. And so Eve said, well, if I don't own anything, then I need to work for it. I need to grab it for myself. I need to earn it for myself. And so she takes the fruit from the tree and her and Adam, because Adam's right there the whole time standing, probably chopping celery. (laughs) And her and Adam eat of the fruit. They disobey God because they don't trust him. And then all of a sudden. They don't own anything. Then they and then they eat the fruit. They realize that they're naked. They realize that they're not covered. And so they cover themselves and they hear God coming. Why? Because it's that time of the day. They're about to go on their exploration walk with God. The Bible says that they could hear God coming in the cool of the day that God started to walk. Hey, what's up? Hey, Adam, where are you at? It's time to show you something new. It's time to explore again. But they hide. They hide out of fear. Fear because we distrust God. Because we think that God won't provide, because we think that God is not, he's holding something back from us, we start to work for things ourselves, and then we start to hide from God. And we stop being explorers. We stop waking up each day believing that God has something new he wants to show us. We start to distrust God. We start to think, oh, God's coming? It must not be good. It must be bad. I need to hide. How many of you have things in your life even now that you're afraid to show God? Because you're afraid that if I walk this out with God, this isn't going to be good. It's going to be bad. They hide. God says, Adam, where are you? Adam comes out. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. God says, hey, who told you you were naked? Who told you that you weren't safe? Who told you that you couldn't trust me? And then everything starts to come to light. Well, the woman you gave me gave me the fruit. And so I I ate it. And then the consequences of that. Is that. Now, instead of being blessed, they're cursed. And, And God speaks to them, he says. He starts to tell them, hey, this is what's going to happen. He says, what is this that you've done? And the Lord God speaks to them in verses 16 and 7, 16 to 18, 16 to 19. He says to the woman, he said, I I will surely 
multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. To Adam, he says, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth from you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. What happens was that because they distrusted that they were blessed and Satan convinced them that they did not have everything they needed. They started to distrust God and so they disobeyed God and started to sin. But because they didn't trust and they, because their hearts were filled with fear towards God, they stopped this life of exploration and believing that they could walk a life with God that's filled with life every single day and instead believed that a life with God is evil. A life with God's pain and suffering. And then all that did was meant that everything that they created was going to be in pain. He said, be fruitful and multiply, right? Continuously create, be fruitful. Your life's going to be where life continuously springs out of you. But now because of that distrust, now everything that you create is going to be hard. And it's going to feel, it's going to be painful. You know, in the entertainment industry today, everything that gets created is always out of someone's pain and not out of someone's prosperity in life. You ever notice that? There are 50 million breakup songs. <laughs> and all that gets created is just stuff of pain and toil. And everything feels like it's just to death. And it all starts at that root of believing that God has blessed them. Do you believe that? I don't know what your home situation was like. I don't know what you experienced growing up as a child. Like I started out saying, for most of us, our childhoods were ripped from us. But for most of us, what we've grown up in an environment where we've been told and where we've experienced so many different pains that we feel like we can't trust God. We don't feel blessed. We feel cursed. And we feel like we have to work for everything that we have. But if tonight you'll just get that God has blessed you. If you'll get that God loves you. That he's provided for you. And his desire for your life is for you to wake up every morning saying. Today is going to be just another adventure. And a, the best day. Today I'm going to contribute something new to the world. Then all of a sudden, your life really starts to reflect greatness. See, that's a great life. It starts with becoming like a child. Let's pray. going to ask everyone to just close your eyes for a moment.